Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. It's, it's, it's uh, such a privilege and an honor to be here uh, and continue in the third uh, sermon in our series, State of Mind. How about Pastor Carol Fittler in the first week? Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then Dr. Uh, Stephen Mansfield just really took us to a new place. That was, that was powerful. I pray to continue uh, in that vein uh, today. Um, the difficult thing in life is that there are moments that are so uh, tumultuous or challenging that they are unforgettable. Each of us, if I, I really pressed you, has had or has right now currently a human relationship that's fractured or that has broken apart and has burned you. If I ask you to raise your hand, I don't want you to do that because the person that, you know, did it to you might, might be sitting next to you. Don't do that. Uh, don't want to shock them in church, you know, like that. Well, they already know. That's what somebody's saying. They know. You know, this is a funny aside. You know, it's, it's a question happens in church and somebody's supposed to you better raise your hand. Anyway, it's funny. There's people in the world that can hurt you. Even if at one point in your life they have been good to you, even if currently... They have good things for you. The reality is, if you're going to be in human relationships, it's only a matter of time, in a short period of time, before someone hurts you. And the thing is, when that hurt happens, for you, it can feel like the last straw. It can feel like it's all over. And something can enter into your heart like a disease you cannot get rid of because of the pain. And there is a word for it, and it is called pistanthrophobia. I ain't saying it again. <laughs> you can take a stab at it if you want to. Uh-huh. Watch your speed limit in church. This word simply defined is the fear of trusting others. If your relationships are broken and if you hit a final straw, there's this lane called, I don't have to be bothered with you anymore. And the only solution to having less of the pain or the conflict in your life is to divide or remove yourself from it. Have you ever been in that space? Nothing like a bad, like, romantic breakup. Everything you loved about them turns sour, doesn't it? 
Yeah, they didn't. They never did, you know. But you, but you wasn't talking like that when it was peaceful. This is not a statement to delegitimize the fact that there are real pains that happen in relationships where somebody is guilty of something. The reality is, it's just difficult to live in life without it happening and a phobia developing that says, I can no longer trust people. All around you is people. You need people to live. You need people to function. But this, this is, I can't trust you anymore. I don't want you to raise your hand, but have you been there? Have you been there? Today, as we continue in the same text that Pastor Carol and Dr. Stephen Mansfield were teaching in, I'm going to go a few verses higher to give you a contextualization of what was going on in the lives of the people at the time that the exhortation happened within the text. And perhaps it might give us clues is there any solution to this phobia of mistrust? And it's real. Let's go to Philippians 1. We're going to read the first through the third verse together. I'll start, I'll start by saying, ready? Read. Ready? Read. Talking about me. Look at you. Look at you now. I knew it was coming. Keep going. Ready? Read. Seems to be that there is a human conflict that is being articulated within this text but the conflict is not in itself being named. This is a group of people that Paul loved, and they loved him. It's probably his most intimate group of people. Remember, he, he saw a vision of a man calling him from Macedonia, and he went and he found a prayer group with Lydia, and all the women were open to the gospel, and they got saved. Paul had a life there in this congregation, in this church that was intimate, and that intimacy you can see throughout some of the letters that that he was talking about. Yet this, within these intimate relationships where these women in this particular context were empowered, they was in a fight. And the letter he's writing from prison is, can y'all stop fighting? Because it's not helping the mission. Now, now he knows, it doesn't, he doesn't speak to them and name the problem. He doesn't speak to them and say, I know what they did to you. Because when somebody's coming to me asking me to stop having a conflict, I want you to know something about what happened to me. And I want to know that you can list the offenses that I went through and the injustices I went through before you just move me along. To why don't y'all get along? Why don't, why don't you tell, tell what they did? Y'all ever been there? Come on, talk back to me. It's tough when somebody walks in and they don't seem to know everything that's happening and they just want to skip to the solution and they want to avoid the fact that you just brought some pain in my life. Do I got any witnesses in here? Because people can do some stuff to you and you want some justice. 
I can imagine that these women that were working together, they, they loved the church. They loved their work that they were doing for the Lord. In fact, they were considered co-laborers in the gospel, but they could not get it together. In this life, you will have trouble. With other human beings, you will have conflict. But their conflict is turning into a phobia of fear of trusting other people. They don't trust each other anymore. It happens in marriages all the time. Now, when we said, when we got married, we said, for better or for worse. Now, it's the worst day. Now, we, you out. What happened to the vow? It happens in commitments to jobs. In commitments of every type, there can be a human things that break down the relationship. And then there's another group of people he begins to speak, speak, speak about who are just uh, observants. You can imagine that the conflict had to come travel to where Paul was, and then his message had to travel back. They've been in a jacked-up situation for a minute. You know, it's good to have a conflict that the Bible said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. They've been letting this linger on. You ever had a conflict that lingered? It stayed too long, and you were a party to it, lingering? He is pleading with them, would you guys let this go? And then he begins to correct the people who are in relationship around them. And he says, hey, co-workers and Clement and all y'all around, y'all see what's going on. If I can see it from prison, you up close and personal. I don't want you to just be talking about them. I don't want you to pick sides. I want you to plead with them to do what's right so we can hang together. You know holiday time is coming up. Y'all about to have some of these conversations. Because you're going to try to figure out what kind of holiday you're going to have. Crazy Uncle Joe, are we inviting him or not? You going to invite the person who drank a little too much and deal with that? Are you not going? You know, it's a lot of things to decide. He's pleading for human beings to be together versus being mistrusting. Now, you might be saying, Pastor James, you don't know my situation. I've got a situation to where if you heard about it, you would, you would give me some justifiable reasons why we need to be, be distanced. And I want to tell you, there are justifiable reasons to be distant, but there are far less than one might imagine. Amen. If somebody beating you, you don't need to be there. But if somebody's making you uncomfortable, with their perspectives and dispositions about life, well, maybe they should be there and y'all should work on that. Let's avoid the extremes in the point that I'm making. Point is, he's pleading with them that if you don't stay together, this gospel that we've been assigned to spread throughout our region is going to be stymied. Because instead of them having a John 17 moment where they can look, into the, look at the unity with the Father and the unity of the church and know that Christ loves them and has sent, sent you to them, they'll start saying they can't even get it right in the church. They can't even get it right in their own home. And instead of having a voice, you lose your voice. And he, and he, and he tells us to stand by, don't watch people have pain, do something about it. If you know somebody, they don't raise your hand. If somebody's in your life and they're having conflict, let this message today be a signal to you that you are being invited into that conflict. 
to help solve it and resolve it. Then he says something unique. He says, remember that they are co-laborers. They are co-laborers with you and that they, their names are written in the book of life. You know, the last thing I want to remember when somebody does me wrong is that they are saved just like I am. They have the Holy Ghost just like I do. They have the same mission as I have, and they have more in common with me than not in common because I've taken the infraction that they've done, and it's so close to me that I can't see all of the other good things that are surrounding. And primarily is that their name is written in the book of life with God himself. So you know that person that's really getting on your nerve, these two women that can't get along? I imagine God saying it this way. Would you tell them women that they're going to have a room in heaven together? I put their names right next to each other. They're going to be together. So why can't you just work it out? I'm going to put y'all together. Just enjoy. Just enjoy yourself on earth. In heaven, y'all are roommates. (laughs) But when you're upset, when somebody's giving you a last straw, you feel this justification. I don't have to like you. You're shady, so you're no good, dirty. You're calling them everything but, uh, but the man or woman of God. Their name is written in the book of life. Why don't you say, he told me you were named. Hallelujah. That would be nice. But we somehow can't do that. Beware of what you put on display. What are you displaying? Your frustration or your mission? What are you displaying? Your anger and your distrust and your phobias or your unity with Christ? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, I exhort you to be of the same mind, of the same judgment, speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. I mean, how serious was he with that? I don't want any division among you. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the, uh, the, uh, the oil that came from uh, Aaron's beard. And um, it's like the, the dew uh, that refreshes and there he commands a blessing. In other words, the unity is what brings the anointing or the power to break you through. But yet the phobia says don't trust them. And God says if you lean in, if you lean in, that's where I do my work. Now, the reason I'm paused right here is because the reality is your, your flesh will resist what I just said. Your flesh will say, if he only knew what just happened. It's amazing to me that Paul did not enumerate the conflict that happened between them. He only enumerated their good work, their call together, their mission, and that the fact that their names were written. In the book of life, beware of what you put on display. Verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord Lord always, and I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I want you to know that, you know, why would Paul say rejoice always? Again, I say rejoice. I mean, when you're going through a difficult time, the last thing you want is to hear somebody say, clap it up. Let's go. Come on. You know, it's the worst thing when you have an overly cheery person when you're dreary. It could be irritating. Can you imagine them receiving this letter? Come on, let's get happy. No, I'm going through something. 
come on, it's going to be better. Well, is it better now? You know, I can imagine all my rebuttals that dismiss the word that's given me an opportunity to upgrade, rejoice always. Is Paul, by the way, an authority on this rejoicing? Now, you got to understand, he's writing this from prison. He's writing this from a place of being accused. He's writing this from a place of being confined. He's writing this out of his own darkness. What he's saying is, I'm telling you to rejoice because that's what I'm doing. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, and struggles of, of every kind. He said, rejoice always. He, and again, I say rejoice. In other words, don't just let it be internal. Let it be external. Don't let it just be something you're cognitively aware of. Let it be something that you're actively participating in. Give yourself a little joy. The Bible says if you need joy, just leap for it. you got to move around a little bit. If you find yourself getting into isolation and getting off into just your, your alone time and just getting into your phone and getting into your TV phone and getting into yourself and, and shrinking back and moving all away from people, sometimes you got to break out. i got to break out. Just talk to yourself. Be alone. Just hop a little bit, you know, until you start. Because you'll start saying, this is silly. <laughs> you know, you, whatever you got to do, rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say rejoice in the problem. Rejoice in the pain. Rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. The Bible says when you bless him, he inhabits the praise of his people. Create an atmosphere where you can get an adjustment to your situation and a fresh perspective. He says rejoice. Be aware of what you're putting on display I want you to think that Paul, according to 1 Thessalonians 2 and 2, let's just see what Paul's life was like. Let's read this together. Ready? Read that. He says... What I'm going through is outrageous. I am not asking you to do a Jedi mind trick on the problems you're facing. Like, this is not really a problem. It's like when somebody's sick and you say, oh, you're sick. No, I'm not sick. Don't you put sickness on me. But you're coughing. You know, what, I mean, what am I supposed to call it? The non-cough cough? The non-sniffle sniffle? No, you, you, you just say, Abraham faced the fact that his body was dead, but he believed God. So, you, you, you know, you can speak the reality. The reality is, I, I, I was treated horribly, outrageously. What they're doing to me for the good that I've done, it's been terrible, but it can't cost me my joy. It can't cost me my rejoicing. It can't cost me my mission. And it can't make me separate from you, though I want to. You ever been there? What's going to dominate you? The phobia to trust others? Or the faith to trust God? Remember, he started in this. He says, stand in the Lord. None of this is possible if nobody won't stand in the Lord. You don't have the strength. He said, let your gentleness. Hold on. I want to, I want, before I get to that gentleness, I wanted to read the scripture to you in Colossians. It says, bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord forgives you. 
so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which is in everything, uh, which, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's how we should think. The Bible says he gave some in Ephesians to be apostles, prophets, for the work of the ministry, edifying the body, till we all come into the unity of, the, of a perfect man. The church itself, the leadership of the church, it, it is ministers of reconciliation. They're always bringing everybody together. The teaching is designed to bring you together in your personal homes, bring you together as a church, bring you, to, bring you together in your workplace. Everything the church does brings you together. That's why you, when you see Christians participating in polarizing activities and, and, and joining in with narratives that divide instead of unite, you can say that Christ, they're not standing firm in Christ. And that doesn't mean that what they're standing against isn't it true. It should be stood against. It means we stand with Christ more than we stand on any single issue. And then we determine how Christ wants us to deal with those issues. Yeah, that amen wasn't that strong, but that's all right. Just, just keep listening and maybe it'll touch you at some point. Um, I love how Philippians 2 says it. So, if there be any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from His love, any participation in His Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete your joy by being of the same mind, the same love, being in full accord on one mind, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. What's the scripture? How does the scripture say? He says, uh, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus who took on the form of a servant and humbled himself and became obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I mean, he wasn't worthy of the cross, but he became obedient to the cross. Isn't it amazing that when we have human conflict, that God is not, doesn't show interest in dividing you, but reuniting you? Just look at the Scripture. Like when the first man and woman blew it and messed up the whole world, the Bible said the ground was cursed, the animals were cursed, they, they had a curse, they messed up the whole thing. God didn't say, now Eve, lay down, go, go on over there, Adam, you go on over there, I'm going to take some new ribs out, make some new people because y'all don't get along, you done blew up the whole world, it's all right, y'all can't function together, I'm going to give one, one this side of the earth, the other this side of the earth, y'all going to make two separate families because y'all don't know how to work together. No, he didn't do that. He made them stay together. From the very moment the sin entered, he brought them together. You would think after the first murder happened, Cain and Abel, he said, y'all, this family is cursed. We're really going to start over. He made them stay together. God is into bringing people together. There is a spirit of division, and it will always tell you divide. That's when you know you're tapping into that phobia. I can't trust you. I can't lean on you. You're not acting like God, so I don't have to trust you. Remember, you're not standing on their character. The first part of the Scripture says, stand in the Lord. Your safety is standing in the Lord. I'm not saying humans can't hurt you. I'm just saying when you stand in the Lord, you just don't feel it the same. That was so deep. I'm going to listen to that later and make a T-shirt. The wrong mindset is 
would be, there's a wrong mindset and a right mindset. The wrong mindset says Ephesians 4 and 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice, bitterness. Do you know you can suffer enough offenses in the world where a root of bitterness get on the inside of you? And the, 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 the deceptive nature of a root of bitterness is you get to ignore it because it's rooted in you. It becomes such a part of you that you no longer call it bitterness. You define it as a bump in the road, a hard time, that period in life, people I just don't get along with. You know, you just define it in other ways. Maybe it's not forgiveness, though. Wrath. Wrath is what, when you feel justified to hurt people at the same rate that they hurt you. Oh, you slap me? Here you go. Mm-hmm. You got to slap, I'll slap you back. You know, I think about, for those who follow NBA basketball, there was an incident that happened, I think, a week ago where Draymond Green, a, a part of the Golden State Warriors, and, and Jordan Poole, a part of the same team, they had an argument during practice. Draymond Green walked over into his face. Jordan Poole didn't like it. He pushed him, and Draymond Green came back with a right and knocked him out. Cold. And then there were two schools of thought that developed from that. One school of thought said um, Jordan Poole, because he apologized, should forgive him. They should be a team, move back on, go on to win their fifth championship. Let this lip be water under the bridge. Then it's that other school. I'm going to call it the school of the flesh. So, man, you slept me. Tell you what, every day in practice, Draymond, I might be smiling, but I'm waiting on my opportunity, and I'm going to knock you out too because you're bigger than me. I'm going to blindside you. I might club you. We're going to have a problem every day till I feel vindication and justice. We can't never be all right, Draymond, because what you did to me was so embarrassing. I will live on as a meme forever, and I'm going to give you a meme so you can live on like that forever because I'm angry, Draymond. I'm not forgiving. See, you know, that's that flesh. Feels justified. You slap me, I slap you. But there's something wonderful that can happen in a conflict where you say, yeah, I forgive you. Now, it's easy for me to tell somebody else to forgive an offense to happen to them. I just wonder if I would turn the other cheek if Pastor Ricky came up here and slapped me down. Would I actually be able to do it? Or would we be brawling on the front, on the, on the fox the, the, the pastor at Bethel gets into a fight with another pastor at Bethel because he slapped him. Seems justifiable, even though it's against the rules of the body of Christ. You know, it's just. Bible said, turn the other cheek. Somebody slap you on one, turn the other. That just seemed like, you know, good words. The right mindset looks like John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples and that when you love one another, man, I, he doesn't want us to take the law into our own hands. He doesn't want us to. In the world, there are even people groups who suffer indignities. And, and one of the things that 
feel like it should happen is because I suffered in indignity, I have the right to be rude. You, you see, that's out in the world today. Like, because I suffered something, which is true, you did suffer something, I now have the right to beat up on you, to accuse you, to treat you poorly because I was treated poorly. Paul is pleading with these women not to get into that spirit. I'm pleading with this congregation, let's not get into that spirit where it's them against us. And because you know what they did to us, we get to do it. We will stay divided. And we'll stay in the phobia. We'll stay in mistrust. And it's not fun to turn around and say, I'm going to trust somebody who loves Christ just like you, whose name is written in the book just like you, who has the gospel just like you, but y'all had a real problem that either, either define you by div division or will prove that you're standing in Christ. It's amazing. The Bible says, is Christ, in 1 Corinthians 14, is Christ divided? The answer would be no. Some say I'm a Paul. Some say I'm a Paulist. You know what I'm saying? That's not how the body of Christ works. You don't get to say, We're, I'm on this team and you're on that team. We're on Christ's team. That's it. Beware of what you put on display. And then verse 4, 4. 6 says, or 4.6, uh, 4, 4 and 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety is the body's response to worry and fear. How do you respond to worry and fear? How do you respond to what you cannot control? I, I grew up in, a, on a, on a, on a, in, in Detroit, so, you know, you know, if you've had your home broken into before, and if you had, you know, we've had several cars stolen from us, if you've been jumped by gangs before or whatever, you live in a certain amount of fear. And, you, and what happens when this fear comes on you, it's real. I don't, wanna, I don't want to minimize anxiety. Like, it's real. And psychologically, after somebody has abused you in some way or hurt you in some way or taken advantage of you in some way, you could have a physical reaction of tears or shaking or post-traumatic stress. And it's real. It makes you want to do this, shy away, and, or subconsciously you just kind of move out of the way of harm. You know, it, it's, it's a real thing. It's your response to fear. But you cannot fear what you can't control. You can't control you can, you can be robbed at any moment, no matter what neighborhood you're in. Anything can happen to you. You can't control that. You can't conjure up or, or fix things. You can't be, Job said, the thing that I fear most has come upon me. Do you know, just like faith calls God's answer into your life, fear gives the devil a place in your life. I'm going to say it again. Just like faith calls God's answer into your life, fear gives a place for the devil to hang out in your life. So the longer that you meditate on your right to be phobic about trusting others, you give him space to say, that's right. You know how they are. You better protect yourself. You can't do nothing with them. They ain't going to change. Hear the last thing they said? They still believe that. Yeah, they've done some good things, but they're not good for you. You need to get out of here. You ain't going to be able to think, breathe, act, function. 
See that? But then God says, don't be anxious, which in other words, and if anxiety is your body's response to fear, then he's saying, don't, don't accept this. He said, take no thought for your life, what you're going to wear, what you eat. He said, your father has no, you, you have need of these things. And then skip down to the Matthew 6.33, he says, be anxious for, for nothing, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else you need will be added. There's a way that God functions that you should focus on. There's a way that he does things that you should focus on. And the, 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 the next verse kind of proves that, the part B to that. So we need to be aware of what we put on display, especially don't be anxious. Don't. When he says don't, that means you don't have to be. But instead, be prayerful. Verse 6 says this, but in every situation. No, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. In some of the situations, by prayer and petition. Y'all don't see that I just said that word wrong. Correct me. Don't let me read the word of God wrong. We'll try that again. But in some situations, in some situations, I said in some situations, in every situation, that means the real bad ones, the small ones, the, the medium ones, doesn't matter. He said prayer, petition with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. Your solution to phobias and anxieties and relational conflict and the weightiness of them and the feeling that you have an inability to move forward with people and staying out of dark places and dark mindsets is prayer. It's the thing we want to do the least, but we need the most of. It, the prayer is communion and communication with God. It's not dictating to God what he should do. It's not telling God to bless what you want to do. It's asking God to show you what his will is, what his desire is. The scripture says in 1 John, says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petition that we have before the Lord. You got to pray. Paul himself was someone who knew how in a relationally dark place, in Acts 16, he's been beaten, thrown into prison, chained, jailed, it's dark, but the Bible, I want you to see it in the Bible. You might not believe me. I'm preaching too fast. Acts 16. This is too important to read. Read. Ready? Read. It's dark. It's a bad time. Their answer in the worst moment is to pray and to worship God. Read. If you want to be loosed from phobias and mistrust and the pain of being burned by other humans, you can't solve it. Other humans can box you in, put you in a prison, chain you falsely, falsely accuse you, and you can rail against it. You can fight to the death, but you might not be doing the will of God. The will of God for those two women, the will of God for the Philippian church is for the gospel to remain unhindered and to continue to be preached. And because they were focused on God in prayer, 
focusing God on worship, not only were they set free, but the jailer and his family, the scripture goes on to say, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ while they was in jail, got baptized, then released them the next day, and they got vindicated in front of the people. Man may never do all of the things that God would do. So get out of God's way and let him fight your battles. Get out of God's way and let him intervene. Get out of God's way and let him loose your chains and open your doors and change your, uh, your, your mourning into gladness. He can turn it around. He will turn it around and he will vindicate. You can't do it. Stand in the Lord. Stand in the power of his might. Prayer. I'm so grateful for the hundred and almost 50 we have that, that signed up to pray for Dixon. I love that you have concluded that the prayer is the answer to moving the gospel forward. The one thing that's difficult to get people to do is to pray together. What if in the next time you had a problem, you need money, you need, you need resolution, you need whatever, your answer was to pray and believe God with thanksgiving. It would sound something like this. Lord, I know the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. I know that you can give me anything I need at any time, and I thank you that all my needs are supplied according to your riches and glory. I thank you, Lord, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and you can turn it whichever way you want. I need you to turn the hearts of those who are opposed to me, the hearts of those who are in conflict with me, the hearts that are divided from me. I want you to turn them, Lord, because their heart is in your hand, and so is my heart is in your hand. I thank you, Lord, that instead of walking separate with other people, I'm going to be walking together with people, God. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not just going to be some praying hands as a moniker or icon at our church. I'm going to be united in prayer with some other people in the church. Lord, I'm making myself available by faith to step into trusting human relationships and life groups and evangelism and outreach and familial stuff, and I'm not walking away. I can't do this power on my own, but I'm going to stand in the Lord. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm not going to trust in myself. See, you begin to pray like this, and then you begin to get transformed, and your state of mind adjusts and changes. Right now, it's still that question. Stand to your feet. It's still that question. The ministry team, you can come down. Can I actually get it right with my mama, my daddy? Can I get it right with my siblings or my spouse, my ex, my boss, my neighbor, my schoolmate? my governing officials, my police officers. Can I get it right? Or am I going to be running for the rest of my life? Paul pled with them to stay focused on the mission. The person in your life needs to see Christ. I know you think somebody else will do it, but I believe God assigns you to it. No one can replace you. And if you're like me, you have real life. I have real life circumstances now that I need resolution to and I need prayer to. When I pray for this congregation, this is the word we need. 
don't know what you're going through, but I know today is a day where there's grace and there's anointing for a breakthrough. I'm going to have the, the worship come. You can lift the screen. I'm going to have the worship come and sing in a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity. But today I know some of you are going home without answers. And this is going to be a prayer and worship moment for you. Some of you need the breakthrough, but you can't get the breakthrough without the prayer of agreement from another human being. Some of you have lost sight of which way is up. Because the phobia has set in so, so deep. You're in such isolation that to come out of that darkness into the light seems near impossible. But yet, I can hear the Holy Spirit I can feel a, the power to lift a weight off of you right here. I'm going to start praying and then worship. You can start coming even while I'm praying. Bow your heads and if you need to come, come. Lord, I pray everybody experiencing a chain, let it fall off in Jesus' name. Let every chain fall off. Open every prison door in the name of Jesus. Provide healing right now to all broken relationships. The person you've been struggling, you're in here right now, an inability to forgive. You thought you forgave, you hadn't. You're so aware of your pain, it feels like it happened today. Remember, God forgave you, God loved you, and healing's available. Come receive your healing. Come receive your breakthrough. Come receive your renewal. Come receive the Spirit of God's refreshing. Hallelujah! Deliverance is in the room. Freedom is in the room. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that those who have been stymied from their purpose because they have so many human weights, they can't move forward. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I bind it in the name of Jesus. Not only are they going to be free as individuals, the gospel will be preached through them. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Let freedom reign in here today. Let the Spirit of God reign in your life right now. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Just come.